welcome to Desk Lady Ada. Hey everybody, and welcome to my desk. It's me, Lady Ada. C'est moi desk. With me, Mr. Lady Ada, uh, also oh. known as Senior Ada. Uh, we've got an exciting half hour-ish, 40 minutes for you here at my desk. Uh, the, the best unscripted live desk, Lady Ada, desk of Lady Ada show on the internet. The longest running live from a desk engineering show on yes. the internet. Well, uh, this week we got a couple things. We actually don't have as much hardware this week, but uh, we have some cool documentation tools that I've been working on. Uh, sometimes I've got the hardware itch, and sometimes I have the firmware itch and the driver yeah. itch, but this week I kind of had like a documentation itch, which I always feel like I should go, you know, wherever the flow leads me, because usually there's a good reason for it. Like I yells in my gut a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay, any news or updates you want to give people? I think we're shipping Ada boxes in like a week. Ada boxes are going to be shipping soon, so sign up if you didn't get a chance, because you may get a chance Check after your we... address. Yeah, Check your address, because it's out. a big deal. Credit cards and addresses always, they add delays. We're going to take another week to ship, because we have to check in with you if you, if you yeah. have to update it. And uh, full speed ahead, but... Look at the message on our site. Um, we have a bunch of orders, so we're managing expectations. It might take us a little bit longer because the world is turning back on, but we're also hiring uh, people in our teams, uh, first time in a year. Yeah. And so we want to give our teams time to train each other up. So um, most of the time orders will still go out really fast, but just to manage expectation and you know we have to still operate in a very safe way. Yeah. So it just gives us a little time. So, with that being said, back to you, Lady Ada. What do you want to show this week? Well, um, oh, wait. Do you hear that? That buzzing sound? I wonder what it is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's our friend, the Bundlefly. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Bundlefly. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, I wanted to show off. We did make a little update to uh, the Bundlefly thanks to uh, Justin Catney, who worked on it and been debugging it. Please, folks, try out the Bundlefly feature that we have on Learn. I'll show you how to do it right now. Um, it should make it a lot easier to do CircuitPython projects because you get help from Bundlefly. So let's let's go to the computer and um, let's let's look actually at a project that just came out. So oh, don't forget we have this new cool random this dice. You roll the dice and you get a random guide, which is super fun. But I'm, I want a particular guide. Um, let's look at the lemon keypad. Um, so the Lemon Keypad uh, is a project that uses CircuitPython and an RP2040 CutiePie uh, to put six mechanical keypads in this cute 3D printed lemon. So um, we, have a, we have a page that says like how to load CircuitPython onto your uh, RP2040, which is cool. And then in the code, um, what we're doing now is we're putting code like usually we had kind of like the code explanation and then the code itself like the full listing at the bottom um, but now we have the code at the top and we're highlighting the word download project bundle so when you click it um, you'll automatically get a zip file and the zip file is the name of the project and we now include a readme um, and the readme the catney wrote this up and this is uh, it's kind of templated a little bit the beginning is kind of an explanation of what to do with it and then it also includes the date and the URL that generated this. Uh, this is XEMAX, so I can't zoom in. But um, if you can kind of look carefully, you can see the, the URL and the, the date. So that's new. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to go and um, we also have this um, new thing that we're going to add. I'll show you as a preview. So in addition, um, because some people don't realize, like, 
you know, you actually have to have like the files in, in like in the root directory and people sometimes don't realize that. So we wanted to include um, an image of what the file system looks like. So we have an issue uh, for an auto screenshot maker. And this is from Foamy Guy, um, who's been working on this. And this is really neat. This is something that it's written in Python and what it does is it looks at the code. Hold on, let me see. Uh, oh, I think this went into, oh, I think it was removed, which is cool. The generated image. Okay, sorry, it was deleted. But um, the, the goal is that it will be able to create the, automatically create the screenshot images that we have in our guides. I was, I was tricked because it was, I think it was deleted. But if you look here, we have like this image that shows like the Mac file system, like with the, the, the folders opened, like the little, you know, whatever triangle opener. And um, we want to auto-generate these, which we can do because if we're making the bundle, we know all the imports, we know the library, we know the files and the zip. So let's, let's make a screenshot that automatically generates because in Windows, it's actually kind of hard to make these nice screenshots like Mac Finder does a very good job of showing you um, directories and subdirectories, but Windows like kind of doesn't have that ability. And so um, we're gonna add the auto screenshot maker as well. So people can see a screenshot of like, here's your CircuitPie drive and here's the files that go into it. So um, it should make CircuitPython even easier. Like it, I think it's it's really improved by having the bundler because especially for projects with the Funhouse, we've done a couple projects with like the Funhouse and the MagTag, there's like easily 10, 15 libraries and it's like a real pain to dig them all out. Um, if you use the project bundle, you'll always get the latest code, which is super cool. So uh, that's the latest from Bundlefly, our project bundler helper. Thanks, little dude. Notice he's got the little pie files. He's, he's holding together. All right, what's next? Okay. Um, speaking of keyboards, I thought I'd show off this uh, keypad that I worked on. I now have a folder in my work area called Keebs. And um, this is this macro pad that I'm working on. So I've been doing a lot of keyboard stuff. You know, rotary encoders, and you've seen me have done like you know, uh, seesaw, doing some seesaw boards, which should be coming to the store soon. Um, once I once I feel like doing hardware again, um, but this is a uh, macro pad, and you can kind of see here we've got uh, three by four uh, kale sockets, so like sw hot swappable mechanical sockets. So it's not like a full numpad, which is four by five. It's kind of did like the math and it's kind of, it's a little bit too big. It's not meant to be a number pad. It's meant to be like a macro pad. So you get three by four keys with a NeoPixel underneath. And then um, at the top here, let me show the back because it's a little easier. And then let me flip it. So here we've got um, a rotary encoder at the top. And then this is a 128 by 64 OLED that kind of folds over the side. Um, so this is like a monochrome OLED. I was also thinking of doing a TFT, but frankly, like TFTs are really hard to get right now and they're kind of expensive. So I think I might just go with an OLED because the prices have gone up for OLEDs, but not like three, four times as much as they have been for the TFT. Um, so the rotary encoder, you know, it's got a button and the button is also the USB boot button, which like with the dill diode trick that we've added uh, is, a, is a GPIO pin, but it can also, if you hold it down during boot, um, it'll it'll put the uh, keypad into um, 
you have two modes because it's an RP2040. And what's really neat about the RP2040 is there's so many pins that like each um, switch has its own I.O. So it's like I don't have to worry about a key matrix or diodes or anything. It's just like one key per pin. And I got a little speaker also. I, like, I, I put a little buzzer in here. And um, all the analog pins I brought out to like a header. I don't know if I'm going to do anything with them, but like, you know, you can solder them if you want and add more stuff. And that's got the QSPY memory and OLED. And uh, I've got a level shifter for the NeoPixels, USB-C, uh, reset button. And this is like the, the key matrix here. You can see the key matrix and, and the switches. So, um, and this will be fun because it's going to be RP2040, which in CircuitPython has HID support. Um, we've been working on, um, Dan Halbert's working on some updates to CircuitPython to allow customizable USB uh, configuration. So right now when you have a CircuitPython board, you get the, the REPL, which is a UART serial. You get mass storage, which is the CircuitPy disk drive. You get HID, which is a keyboard and mouse. You'll also get MIDI automatically if it's built in, like, which is for most boards that are not very tiny. Um, and uh, uh, that's it, sorry. So th those four are the, the built-in USB implementations. But if this is a macro pad, you might not want it to show up as a disk drive. Like maybe you only want it to show up as a disk drive like if you like flip a switch or hold down a key or something. Um, yeah, like when you want to reprogram it, do something else. Yeah, the only one, because you, like, you don't want to show up as a disk because it confuses your computer maybe. So with the customizable USB descriptors, by putting some special text into boot.py, you'll be able to turn on and off different elements. So you can turn off the MIDI if you don't need it, and you can turn off the mass storage if you don't need it. So it's only there when you want to reprogram the macro pad. So I think this will be a good demo for it. Um, some requests. Yeah. Uh, E-Ink, maybe? Folks do like OLED. Yeah, I do like E-Ink, but I think people want faster updates and also inks they don't come in that small adorable size like, this is a very specific like one inch diagonal one 1.3 inch diagonal size so there's a tft that i use that's about that size that's 240 by 135 and then of course the 128 by 64 oleds which are which are kind of popular i think oleds look really good so maybe we'll we'll try the oled all right someone says they feel like an old person using arduino not knowing circuit python so here's what i have to say about that um it's never too late or too early to try all these different programming languages. And my suggestion is get a board when you make your next purchase that can run Arduino or MakeCode. Almost or all our boards can do both. Yeah. yeah, RP2040 can do both. Sam51 can do both. And one thing that's really helpful can do both. is find an easy project for you that you know well in, say, Arduino land. And like, okay, I just want to do like this pulsing light thing. And then do the same exact project with another programming language, in this case maybe CircuitPython, and yeah. and do a uh, a comparison on the two because they're, they're de it's definitely different. Some people really really like the REPL with Python, and you can do lots of iterations. And there's no IDE; you can just use a text file. It shows up as a USB drive. Uh, but then some folks are like, no, like I'm set up for like C and like Arduino world, and they have different types of projects. But try it out and get a board. Like Circuit Playground Express is probably like one of the yeah, that's a great one. That's Circuit Playground Express. But also, yeah, ESP32 S2 can run both. You can run also MicroPython. Try it out. You probably have an ESP32 or AT66 that can run MicroPython. Here's another spin. I made like a spin of this board. You know, I had the OLED, but I was like, what if I used a 1.3 inch TFT? Because I do have some of those um, still. And I saw like a really cute like ducky pad, which used a 1.3 inch 
um, square TFT. So you can see this is, this has a TFT instead of an OLED, but it's kind of bigger. I don't know if it's like too big. So I don't know. I'll and for the folks, so there's folks in our chat that are um, uh, working on a, a uh, keyboard. Great. Uh, 11 keys OLED, they're gonna use Circuit Python. Um, and they're looking forward to that feature where it doesn't show up as a drive. When do you think that's gonna be uh, out in the world? I mean, there's a, you can watch the progress. You can uh, watch the progress. I don't know. I just ordered those first PCBs, so yeah. we'll, we'll see as soon Check as out the um, weekly community Discord at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Mondays, and the CircuitPython team's in there, and they'll be able to tell you uh, with the latest. I think, I, well, it's, I think it's, it's, there's a PR. You can subscribe to the PR, and then it's the very latest. I will say the very latest CircuitPython is in a lot of flux right now because we're also um, doing a fast-forward merge of, of all the MicroPython updates from the last few years, which is going to give us a lot of cool features that have been added to upstream MicroPython, but it just means that there's a lot of instabilities. But it also means like if you test it, you know, that's great yeah. help to us because if you test, test the latest builds, you find bugs. If people are finding bugs and you tell us, we can fix them as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's our thing. Like um, some folks don't like change, but a lot of folks do like new features and um, the hardware that you have just does more every time there's a CircuitPython update. So. Yeah. Check out the updates and help us test. Okay. All right. So next up, uh, so the meat of the matter is I was going to talk about um, what I did do this weekend, which is I went outside a little bit, but I also worked on um, diagrams. So we, you know, four years ago, there was this uh, guy in the maker community who made these really beautiful diagrams. And we, we, we actually uh, contracted him to make some diagrams. Um, for us. So if we scroll down, we can even see them. So like this feather, 32U4 Proto, and these are these, you know, really beautiful um, diagrams that are, uh, they are PNGs, um, but they're like really high resolution PNGs, and they have like all these pins, and they're really cool, and like, they have everything labeled very nicely, and they have color coding, and, and they're really gorgeous, um, these, these graphical data sheets, and the person um, kind of had like a disastrous crowdfunding experience and sort of disappeared from the internet. Um, so while we had paid him to do a bunch of um, boards while he was also doing um, the crowdfunding project, um, he kind of like left the internet. And one of the issues is, is that it's really hard to edit these. And so there were a couple typos. And each time there's a typo, it's like, oh my God, we have to like open this like we have to edit the PNG or if we do have the PDF somewhere, but like we don't have the original. And it's like, it's kind of a mess. And also like new boards, how are we going to make them? So um, Bill Binko did a video, which I think you have a screenshot of real fast. I do. Of how you, you, can, you can take a template and you can make these, these beautiful um, data sheets. And it's, it's a lot of work, but you can do it. And I think if you're only making like one or two boards... Um, go for it. But like I make boards like every day. <laughs> and so I, I really like this, but I also, I, I don't feel comfortable assigning someone on the team to make these because it's like so much work. And there's like, you have to look up all these things in the data sheet and it's like the timer pin and like the ADC offset. Like there's just like so many things and like there's so many boards and it, I feel like it's just a little bit too much. Um, so I started looking, well, I was actually looking at this other board, um, this Elite C, and I was like, oh, look at this adorable diagram. And I was like, you know, this diagram is like kind of simpler than the really beautiful Pig Hicks ones, or, or Piggy XXX, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and 
um, I really liked this simple, simplified style. And I was like, yeah, you know, I should really look into like, what would it take to auto-generate these diagrams? Because that's what I really need. Just sort of like what we did with the, the fritzing generator. So people used to hand make all their fritzing objects. And like, I couldn't, like, that's why we had like no fritzing objects a few years ago. And then um, Philby spent a lot of time writing this code that, that we have a guide for, which lets you take EagleCAD files, the board and schematic files, and will like turn them into really beautiful uh, fritzing objects. Then you have to have a human go in and do a little bit of like cleanup just to like attach the pins and maybe like remove them or name them or whatever. But it's like 20 minutes worth of work. It's not hours worth of work. You have to do all the drawing. You just have to do like the, the connecting part, the part where you say like, oh, this pin is this pad, right? You just, you just click through and, and connect them. Um, so the fact that we have that fritzing generator has been really great because now every new product that we make at Adafruit has a fritzing diagram. And we, people in the community use them to make diagrams, but we love using them because they're great for documentation because they're really clear. It's very hard to take photos of, of boards. They all kind of look the same. Like it's, it gets shadows, it's like, eh, whatever. So, you know, we really like all of our, our fritzing diagrams. So even if, if you look at this like um, lemon project, you can see like the diagram is done in fritzing because we have fritzing objects of all these items. Like somebody made a fritzing of a Cherry MX key and then we've got, um, you know, the, the fritzing of the cutie pie. And it's really easy to attach all the pads and, and you know, wire it together. And it's much easier to see than um, somebody taking a photo. Like this, if you took a photo of this, it would look like spaghetti. But because you can have like individual colors and you know, it's, it's schematic-y, diagram-y, it's kind of cool. So um, I like these, but yeah, I can't, this is still too much. So I looked at, um, yeah, so I saw, I showed you there's 18 makers did this and there's uh, building goes a template. And then SparkFun has the graphical data sheets, which was actually like really close. So this is like almost exactly what I want. It's like, it's automatically generating all these um, labels and it's doing it as an SVG. And so it's like, you can scale it. You can turn SVG into a PDF really easily. Like I don't want something that's pixelated because it's like, you can't zoom in and you can't re resize it easily. Um, it's got all the labels and then they, they make this, but they have a little helper to make this part, right? The, the, this is the annoying part. The like A2 is also known as PC2, also a PC in 10. This is also LED, like that's, that's the annoying thing. So this, um, the way this works, which I'm, I'm into, is it creates this um, SVG that has all the pins in, like, the, it's just the pins, and then you copy and paste it over into, like, this, like this part, which is, like, a kind of a template. You put the image of the, the product in the middle, and then you copy and paste them, and you just, have, you just paste them in a big chunk, which is way easier than, like, making each little box. And you, just get, you just grab the whole group. The only thing that was like I wasn't into, so the thing that I was like, ugh, because this is like pretty cool. This is like a really nice PDF, right? I kind of like this PDF, but the thing I didn't dig was that you have to create um, a CSV file. And the CSV file 
has all of the pins and ports defined. And this is the thing, again, I totally don't want to do. I do not yeah. want to make If you're entering a CSV, you may as well I don't want to do any entry. Illustrator because I hate data entry. You're in, yeah, you're in that and entry world. the thing that, that, that's killing me is the, the typos, right? Like people, like there's so many pins that like swapped or like whatever, it's, you know, it's, it's off by one and there's, it's very easy to make a typo. And so I, I want to avoid the typos. And how can you avoid typos? It's like, well, you can avoid typos by having single sources of truth. So I kind of took like all of these different ideas and was like, well, what if I had a Python script that used the Fritzing object, which is like generated from the Eagle file, right? So I know, you know, the exa exactly which, which pins are which, and also the order they're in, right? The, 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 I can sort them by X and Y coordinates. And then I get the pad name, and then I can use the Arduino or CircuitPython pinout file to correlate that with the low-level I.O. name, right? Because like D2 could be like I.O. 16, right? There's this pin mapping thing going on. Um, and then I could, have, I could have one CSV for every chip, not every board, but every chip that tells me for that chip, every I.O. pin, what are the capabilities? And then I can auto-generate that list of pads in the correct order and still do the copy paste thing, but like not have to do the CSV data entry because I just don't want to do that. I'm very lazy. All right, so turns out like the nifty thing about fritzing files, so I have a fritzing file here. A fritzing file is actually a zip. I don't know, people don't know that, but that it's actually a zip file. And if you open the zip file, you actually get SVGs inside of it. And you also get this thing called an FPZ file. So I always assume every file is a zip. Uh, pretty well, much, nearly if, everything is a if, zip. If, if, Seriously. If you grew up in the world of Max where you had like ResEdit and like every re, every resource had something inside of it. Every, it's always a zip. There's always something inside of it People that you can explore. Yeah, so it's very similar. You just have to rename it to .zip. Make yeah, sure so this is, the, this is the fritzing file and it's like a mess, but it's basically XML. And you have this thing where each connector has an, a pin and an ID. It has the SVG ID. And then you can use that SVG ID to look into the SVG. So for example, let's look for like D2. Oops. So, D, let's say, sorry, D24, let's do D24. D24 has SVG ID connector 113 pin. And then if you open the, the SVG, which is also an XML, like everything is XMLs and zips. If you look at connector, one one was it one one three? Oops, sorry. If you look for connector one one three, you can see it's a circle with that ID number, and it tells you the x and y coordinate. And so now you know um, where it is where it is on the the sheet. Again, that lets you sort everything in order because you want it to be you want those pins to be listed in the order that they appear on the the board itself. So like you have to do less work. Um, and then you can use that, uh, this, um, XML to find the pin name. And then if you look at, um, let's see, this is a feather RP2040. If you look at the feather RP2040 pins.c, you can also correlate the D24 to GPIO24, or like in this case, it's RX 
to GPIO one, right? So each pin, each pin has the the pin and the underlying like GPIO, like the pretty name and then the the real name. So I kind of wrote this big parser to do all this stuff, and you give it the fritzing file, and you give it you know which then unzips and extracts the SVG and and the XML file. It makes a list of every connector. So it looks for the, the connector, like I showed you in the XML. And then it gets the SVG ID for the pad. And then it opens up the SVG also as an XML. And it finds all like any circle with an attribute for with that same name. It also does the same for ellipses. Ellipses are weird though for because for complicated reasons, basically the ellipses are sub-objects, not pins, because I use them for some QT connectors, and so like we have to treat them a little differently, whatever. And then um, for the CircuitPython file, it opens up the file and it does like a regular expressions match and just looks for the qster and finds the, the, the true name, like if I call it D2 or D24, what is the true name of it? And then finally I have, I do have one CSV file. And the CSV file is um, I generate it, but it's not too bad because I, I actually kind of copy and paste it from the data sheet. So this is the data sheet for the RP2040 and has every, sorry, where's the, hold on, I want to find uh, IO24. This is so annoying. It's under pin descriptions. Here it is. Okay. So there's a pin table. And so the pin table tells me for every GPIO, what are the things it can do? Like it can be your Rx. It can be I squared C0 SCL. It can be PWM 0B, whatever. All those capabilities. And I put them into one spreadsheet. And this is every board that I have now that uses the RP2040 will use the spreadsheet as the pin mux determinator. So then it kind of puts everything together and then uses um, this tool called SVG Write to draw the label. And there's like, I have a little theme coloring and you know, it makes the boxes the right width for the tech, I have how many characters, and then it's a monospace and it makes the box and whatever. Um, so it makes a new SVG and it creates, it, you know, it, it finds all the pins at the top row, all the pins at the bottom row, all the pins on the right row, on pins on the left row because you want the pins to be ordered in the right way so that when you put them in they they come apart. I'll show you I'll show you what I mean. It's like you have to you just kinda of have to find out where it is on the breadboard so it's on the uh, the breakout board. And then it draws each one. Some of them if it's if they're special pins, it's like okay this is a power pin. If it's a debug or enable pin, it's like a control pin. I have a special case for STEM IQT, so that it shows up blue and yellow like the, the wires. Um, and then it, it prints out all the different MUX labels, one after the other, and then it increments the, the box X to, to draw them all and it saves it. So I'll show you the, what it looks like. So this is me in the command line. So let's, uh, let's run it on the feather so you can kind of see the command line here. So I'm running the parser on the feather fzpz. I also get the feather uh, pins.c, although I might change this to just go online and use the, the micro the MicroPython, CircuitPython 
port definition. And then that CSV file, which has all the IO pins. And if I run this, it'll, it'll do all this work. And you can actually even see it kind of prints out all the, the pins. This D24, it says this is the SVG ID. CX and CY are the X and Y coordinates of the circle. Um, it has alias names and it has locations like where is it on the board. And then what I get out is this thing called pin labels SVG. Sorry, this is the template. This is not what I get. Hold on. This is what I get. So this is what I get out. So I've got like chunks, like this is one chunk and this chunk is uh, the top of the board. So this is all the pins in a row and it has the name and all the, you know, all those, the SEL and the UART and each one is color coded. And then this is the right side and you can see one goes, one travels right and one travels left because then if I take the, um, the SVG that is the um, image from Fritzing and I paste it here and then I rotate it and then like I do like a little bit of size increasing. Hold on, this one. There you go, like that. A little smaller. So this is like the only part I have to eventually maybe automate. Then I can take uh, this chunk and I put it here. And then I can get rid of this. It's not too bad, right? Let me, let me just uh, resize this to content. Okay. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's pretty close. Um, these two, it gets confused because of the um, fact that these are, again, they're not pins. They're like these connectors on the um, battery. So I have to move those. And it gets confused by the um, stem QT connector too. So they're not in order. But like, it's not too bad. Yeah, doing this live is faster than if you were to try to do this in Illustrator or like everyone else. Yeah, like I just want to do it in Illustrator, right? So this is, this is, this is pretty close. Like it doesn't have, it, it's not everything, but what, one thing that is really nice is that again, there's only like one, you know, like this is, doesn't include the Arduino pins yet, which I have to add. Um, so I'll have to parse like the Arduino pins file or I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like it's, it's not too bad though. I get like regular expressions, like it's kind of always the same format, um, but for like the, all the RP2040 boards I'm gonna make, I mean like, it only takes like a minute. And then if there's ever any typos or mistakes, I mean like there's, I don't think there are because there's only, again, there's only one like CSV file that I'll make and I make it against like the, the data sheet. And so I know it's it's got everything. Um, so then I can also yeah, run- and This also probably helps some people too as they start to design boards and they wanna do something like this. They can just use our Scripts that you mean. Yeah, so then I can also, um, so like I did the feather, so then if I do the itsy bitsy, which is a little bit more complicated because it has more pins, but it doesn't have a stomach UT. So in this case, um, if I revert this, it's now the itsy bitsy. 
So again, I take this, you know, the most annoying part is I have to do the... You're using Inkscape, right? I'm using Inkscape, yeah. So resizing this is kind of the most annoying thing. Okay, so I've resized it. And then... Um, well, the only thing about Inkscape is it, like, f sometimes freaks out and, like, resizes text. i got to figure out why. You know, this is over here. And then for this stuff, you know, I can uh, group it and rotate it, and then I can go like that. So, so that's the pinouts. Okay, I'm gonna ask a couple questions and then yeah. we're gonna bounce through. Yeah, yeah, questions. yeah, we gotta go to Great Search. Okay. Um, folks like it. They made some suggestions about what other file formats are. Zip files like docx, xlx, ppx, pptx, those are all things that are- Zip, 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 zip. zip in there. Yeah. Um, and then, um, Folks like it? Yeah. Brent's here. Brent likes it. Uh, yep, it's Inkscape. And then how difficult is also generate the diagrams 180 degrees and flipped over? Often I've had to hold a diagram and read it upside down due to how I have it sitting on my project. Yeah, I mean, like, I, there's definitely, like, this human element that has to be done. Like, I actually looked into, like, what would it take to have it, like, put this in the right location and have all the, the pins. But it actually turned out it was, like... It was so hard because SVG does all this like weird stuff with scaling and like and sizing and offsets. I was like, this actually isn't worth it because it only takes a minute for a human to, you see, like take those and then just align it to all the locations, especially when you're dealing with stuff like a SMQT connector, a battery connector, or like pins. Sometimes there's pins on the inside, you know, or there's going to be like NeoPixel or whatever, like other things that need to be labeled. Um, so I think a human has to do this final step. But it's SVG, so you can always like open it and then flip it around however you want. All right. Uh, can it also do? Can it also show PWM capable pins? I know that's usually marked on the PCB, but also in the diagram, possibly even what pins are interrupt. Yeah. In in this case, there actually aren't like so. The thing, one of the things is we have to do is like the the CSV is the what the CSV actually determines whatever's here is whatever gets shown. So for the RP twenty forty, it doesn't have the concept of like interrupts because each pin is an interrupt. It does have the concept of like PWM. So I do have those labeled here in green. So these greens, they say the PWM pins. So whatever whatever we put in for the board is what gets put in, you know what I mean? Like I, I wouldn't have I squared C or, or like it doesn't make, some of these things like, like this, this chip, the way it works is like there's I squared C pins available only like, you know, alternating kind of it looks like. Like every, every pin has I squared C, but it's like, I squared C clock data one two, and then on something like a seventy twenty one or fifty one, it uses circom. So I'd have to lab I'd label the circoms instead because it doesn't make sense to label I squared C pins because it's like you don't. That's not how it's done. So like each each family is gonna have that that CSV file is gonna have to be kind of custom made for that chip to show what's useful for that chip because for um, seventy twenty one fifty one every pin is an interrupt, but you want the interrupt number. Yes, we can show that. I would have that in the CSV file. So it just it just means the CSV file has to be customized for that use. Okay, someone brought up something I was about to say. So we do an Adafruit AR app. Um, Trev heads up our iOS development. I'm going to ask Lady Ada and Trevor if this would be helpful to streamline getting our more of our boards into Adafruit AR. So we have an AR app. You can search for Adafruit in the Apple App Store. Um, and we do have some ARs where when you hold up the board, it shows pins and stuff like that, but it was a manual process. This might help out with that. Yeah. So yeah, we're just 
just experimenting here and there's a couple things again like i said there's a couple things that have to be added that are not included here like internal leds like there's a neopixel we have to somehow put that yeah. pin out somewhere uh and the built-in led so the, so i'm not done here but i'm getting this is just kind of what i like i messed with last night and today and i think so far it's it's looking good it's looking a lot better than what we had before which was nothing or these really old diagrams that were unmaintainable all right. Okay. So now let's go to a bundle fly question, then we'll do the great Okay, great. Because we were in that section. So yeah. bundle fly's back. And yeah, the question fly. is, um, is it possible for me to add bundle f a bundle fly link to the readme for my MagTag project on GitHub, or at least a link for just the MagTag libraries? Yeah, right now... And then um, we also had this one, which was project-specific bundles and also board-specific bundles. The board-specific bundles basically is, is the pro we'll, we'll just have one very simple project. We don't have the ability for people to use this yet um, to make their own bundles. Like we're right now, we're locking it only to the Adafruit GitHub and Learn. Like we're, it's only within Learn that's yeah. doing well, it. We have this JavaScript thing that you might be able to. However, yeah, if you look at the, the library bundler, um, the, the library bundle that we have, it, there's a JSON file in there that has all of the dependencies for every library. So you can use find imports, which is a, a Python tool that will like search through your project and find the imports for it. And then you can use that it, with the JSON file for the um, CircuitPython library bundle to make a list of all those libraries and then extract them from the bundle. Like we just do a lot of like caching automation. Like we, I think... Um, yeah, we batch those out every night. Yeah, Melissa made a tool that does it in JavaScript, but it's not going to do everything, everything for you. So it's a little bit more work. Just because, like, we we had to do it. It's it's in Rails. It's not actually in, in Python. And, like, it doesn't make sense to release that code. Because it's, like, embedded to learn. All right. All right, let's... Uh, okay. To it. All right, so uh, let's dive right into the great search. Ready? Okay. Okay. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search is brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Thank you so much, DigiKey. Every single ability to use their powers for good to help you find things on the DigiKey site. And that's happening a lot because people are starting to notice there's no chips. That's so, right. We have a chip shortage going on. So here's two tweets. So here's your tweets from some synth folks who are talking about how there are shortages of chips. And it's true. The Samd21, there's, there's delays on it. But also I noticed two people were chatting about how the TL074 was not available. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, the TL074 is a, it's a, it's a classic chip. And um, it's used a lot by uh, synthesizer folks. And I was actually kind of wondering why. So I, I, I checked in with Guest, who was the co-designer of uh, the Zoxox synthesizer that we worked on. And I said, like, you you know op amps and synthesizers. What What's so great about the TL074? And uh, I do want to I want to say because it, it's actually kind of neat and it will also help us in the great search what, what we're going to look at. Uh, so guest says um, the 074 is pretty much the Toyota Corolla of op amps. It's not the best at anything in particular, but pretty good at everything. It's the second cheapest op amp out there. Comes in dip and SOIC. Has relatively low current consumption, low distortion, and reasonable bandwidth and slew rate. The noise is okayish low, but the thing that really makes it all out performer is the low bias current. JFET inputs. JFET inputs. Uh, it's down in the Pico amp range, which means you can use it for uh, sample and holds or VCOs, VCFs. 
They require a range of currents down to the nanoamperes. A lot of people use the LM358 because it is the cheapest op-amp, but it has high bias current. The L74 can also handle high voltage rails, which helps with the signal noise ratio. It was designed for audio use and was the first one of the first real mass market op-amps back in the late 70s, if I recall correctly. The 741 was the first, still people use the 741, a very popular op-amp, and this was meant as an improvement over that. The 074 and the 084 uh, were made at the same time, and the 074s were selected for lower, lower noise, better distortion, and lower offset voltage, and then marketed at the audio market, the 084 was sold to everyone else. So um, this is a good hint. Again, you know, op-amps are very, very peculiar. Uh, you know, once you find the specs for one, it, it's hard to say, like, this is an absolute alternative, right? There's no, there's, it's not easy to say, like, this is a, other than the exact part number, each one has slightly different specifications, and there's so many specifications. So I will say that I don't guarantee this is going to be a drop-in replacement for the TL-074, but for synthesizer uses, it sounds like um, the JFET inputs in the low bias uh, input current and uh, pretty good slew rate and uh, pretty good um, voltage range. So maybe more than five volts, like they, you know, plus or minus 12 volts is pretty common for uh, many synthesizers. So let's go to DigiKey and let's actually look up the TL074. Uh, I will say the TL074 is, is I, there are some in stock, like you're not totally out of luck if you want some. Um, it may not be available in every, you know, particular flavor and package size, but there are some in stock. So it's not, it's not the end of the world. You can get some. But uh, let's look at some of the specifications that guest mentioned. So the slew rate is 13 volts per microsecond, uh, 3 megahertz gain band with the product, uh, input bias current 64 picoamperes, input offset 3 millivolts, uh, about a milliamp and a half per channel of supply, and then, yeah, plus or minus 5 volts, uh, or 10 volts to 30 volts. That is something interesting. So you do need to have a fairly high voltage, it looks like. You can't really... Looks like there might be versions like here. The TL074HIDR, uh, there are some that can run as low as 4.5 volts single supply, but it looks like 10 volts is pretty common. Um, so that said, let's take a look at similar op amps. It's got the JFET input. That's what kind of defines the, the low uh, input bias. Let's look for another quad low input bias op amp that could be an alternative to the TL074. Um, so let's go back to <clears throat> buffer amps, and uh, let's look for active, and let's look for in stock because we're 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 on a we're not specking a, a new board here. What we're doing is trying to find an alternative to a part that we we know and love. On a related note, yeah. so I guess for whatever reason, like a hundred plus people showed up in Twitch. Okay, um, hi. And so they thought it wasn't live, and now they're being um, taught how to search and use electronics. Yes. I don't think that was their intention. Who I, doesn't love synthesizers? I, I think this is some, some type of raid or something. But you're just gonna okay. learn. You're just gonna learn stuff. And you're gonna learn about <laughs> mechanical keyboards and how to specify op amps for your own synthesizer. Right, so, you know, statistically, three percent of them make synthesizers yeah, or do music. So, you wonder, like, how is how are those? Come back every Sunday and learn some electronics, folks. Okay. Welcome. Okay, there's no, uh, we're not doing any hot tubs here, though. Okay, so uh, we want a, a quad op-amp, because we're going to want 074, that 4 stands for quad. 072 is dual, but we want quad. So let's let's apply. Okay, um, next up, I don't really care about the current per channel, 
Um, but again, I do care about the input bias. In this case, I'm going to use this uh, min-max box. Well, hold on. Yeah. We're going to use the min-max box. There's actually a little bit of different styling, by the way. I think they updated the search styling, the CSS updated. So let's look at, remember the 074 was 65 pico amperes? Let's, let's put in like, I don't know, like 80, right? Up to, from 0 to 80 uh, pico amps. Um, okay, great. So we've got a whole bunch of those. And let's look at uh, slew rate. So we want a pretty good slew rate. And some of these are like pretty slow, like, you know, less than a volt per microsecond. I think, what was the 075? It was like 13 or something. Let's, um, let's find something that's at least five, oh, well, five volts per millisecond. We want per microsecond. So let's do five volts or greater per microsecond. And watch out, because it looks like the milliseconds are mixed in with the microseconds. Okay. So looking good, got about 400 options. Okay, um, next let's look at the, uh, we want surface mount. So let's, let's pick that and that'll cut us down to 300 pieces. Okay, so what else do we want to do? So the input offset, let me look again at what the input offset was for the TL 070, whoops, 073. One thing that's nice, by the way, about op amps is that op amps do have almost all op amps have the exact same pinout, like thankfully. So if you have a quad op amp that's in a 14 TSOP, it's gonna be the same as every other op amp in a 14 TSOP. So you don't have to worry about like, you know, it, it's like, it's like what we talked about in some previous um, tutorials about, you know, oh, this reset actuator uses like a slightly different pinout depending on the package. It, it doesn't, that doesn't apply here. Okay, so the TL74, uh, so we're looking at the slew rate, 13 volts per microsecond. Game bandwidth project of 3 megahertz is really good. Input offset about 3 millivolts, so let's do 3 millivolts or less. This is in microvolts. So it looks like, you know, there's, there's actually, like, the input offset isn't too bad. There's only, like, one that's, like, half a volt. Ridiculous. Okay, um... So let's take a look at what's available. So one thing about the TL074 is, of course, it's really cheap. So let's, let's sort by price. Uh, let's put in price at 1,000. And sort by price. Okay. So not surprisingly, um, the TL084 comes up first. So, you know, like Guest mentioned, if you're looking for a quick replacement for the 074, the 084 is going to be really, really, really close. It's a little bit noisier, got a little bit more distortion, but it's it's really close. So comparing, you know, this is 084 and 074. Um, if we compare them, you know, the input bias is a little bit uh, lower on this 084. The voltage offset's the same. Um, the voltage supply is the same. You know, you can look in detail in the specs, but it's it's pretty much the same thing. So if we, well, let's say we're like, okay, we can't get 084s or 074s, like we're completely whatever. So the first chip that's not from that family, another thing that's interesting is you notice both TI and ST both make uh, TL0708Xs. So, you, you know, you do have two su uh, source suppliers, which is really nice. Um, but the next 
non-TL whatever series that's available is the um, LF347, which was like not available in TSOP, but had a pretty good specs. It has a slightly better slew rate. Um, it has a, a much better input bias, 20 pico amperes. Uh, it's got 40 milliamps output per channel, which is kind of nice. Uh, a little bit better gain width, uh, gain bandwidth products. So that basically means like, you know, as you increase your gain, the amount of bandwidth, the frequencies you can pass are uh, reduced. If you're dealing with audio, you're probably not dealing with more than like 44 kilohertz or whatever. Um, so keep that in mind, depending on how much gain you want, if you're doing microphones or whatever. Um, it looks like the supply can be plus or minus 22 volts. Let's look in detail, maybe at the data sheet to look at the supply. Um, all right, so high slew rate, JFET input. Again, get that standard quad package. Pretty simple design here. Let's look at if it has a minimum power supply. You gotta like hunt for it. Where's the, maybe they don't have it in this data sheet. That's kind of weird. Plus or minus 12 volts. Maybe output voltage swing. I mean, I guess you could try running it at like plus or minus six volts. I don't think you need to. The absolute value is 18. They don't seem to really have the uh, VCC here. Probably like six volts or so. It's probably the same as the, the 084. Okay, cool. So um, your options are basically find an 074 that might have not the exact same specs you want, but is close enough because there's a lot of them in different families. Um, if you don't mind respinning your boards, respin the board to use SOIC if that's available instead of SOP. And then, you know, there are a couple other chips that are in a similar price range, like the LF347. If we, you know, if we go much farther in, in the pricing, there are more chips, but they start getting more expensive. Like, you know, you're, you're basically paying like 40 cents per chip instead of 20 cents. Um, there's like the BU784 from Rome. So there's a couple options. So I think, you know, you're not totally out of luck, um, but, you know, like Guest said, you're gonna have trouble finding something that's as cheap and as all around good. So you might have to give up one thing, whether it's price or, you know, noise or distortion or slew or input bias or whatever, but it's probably gonna be price because like, like they mentioned, it is like one of the cheapest op amps you can get. Still, there's a lot of op options available. So if you're making synthesizers, uh, do not despair. Uh, we, there are options available for you. Um, other 074s, 084s, or the LF347. That's a great search. Yes. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with KJ All right, um, so I'm gonna do a couple questions. I'm also gonna do some other stuff. So sure. for the folks that um, are new to this who just came in from Twitch, this uh, last segment was kind of like a video game where you're on a quest and you have to find crystals. <laughs> um, the part shortage is mostly because of the economies restarting and demand increasing that was kind of unscheduled because everyone was in a holding pattern yeah. 
And that's why you're hearing like it's hard to get some computer parts yeah. and cars are delayed. The companies and, don't hold on the inventory. And yeah, so they're they like, oh, by the way, we're back. So like, can we have everything now? And they're like, oh, yeah. it's going to be, you know, eight weeks. Um, okay. Next up, uh, this is back to Bundlefly. How about using Circup, which is already how to find bundle libs uh, to make a project bundle? Can you do that? Absolutely. I don't think it does. So you'll have to maybe submit a PR to, to add the capability, but a lot of that code came from and is based off of Circup. The, the thing about Circup was that people were just not running it from the command line. They, they really just wanted to, to download. You know, it's like, oh, now you have to install another thing. We really wanted something that was from the learning guide. That's where people are starting with projects. They would download a zip and be ready to go. Yeah. So, um, and again, just for folks who um, might be the first time you're watching our shows. So we have a show on Tuesday called JP's Workshop, and that's where you can build electronics and more. And then we have... Make custom keyboards. Yeah, keyboards sorry, it's uh, JP's Product Pick of the Week. Product of the Week. Which is a lot of... Sensors and Arduinos and Raspberry yeah, Pi. If, if you ever want to learn to code too, this is a way to get into mm. it with physical computing. Mm. And then Tuesday we have a 3D printing show at 11 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. And then um, 7.30 we have show and tell people. Come show by stuff. with your projects. And then at 8 o'clock we have Ask an Engineer. It's kind of like this show. But you can but ask it's, me. But we have a similar... Uh, we have a, More news. More news, and we have Updates. similar segments each week. Thursday, JP's workshop. And then Friday, we have Deep Dive with Scott. So if you're interested in electronics at all, tune into Come any of Come on by. You're welcome. Yeah. and uh, Love to have you. And uh, a lot of folks that do gaming, for sure, and if you're watching from Twitch, you're probably familiar with that. A lot of people who build custom keyboards, um, or they'll do, like, cool lighting, they use our stuff. Mm. So um, check out our shows and more. You yeah, can you want to make like channel. cosplay projects. We've got tons of those. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, decking out your PC with cool LED colors. Yeah, so for the folks who came here with Learn with Leon, um, they did a, uh, I guess they were doing a coding thing. Tell uh, Leon to drop wow, to drop yes. me a note, pt at adafruit.com. I'll send them out some electronics so you can show on the show okay, cool. and maybe give them out to some of y'all. So, Sounds great. Y'all know Leon. Yay! Send them my info. Okay, cool. Um, okay. All right, uh, thanks everybody. That's the show for tonight. We'll see everybody yes. next week. That was Desk Lady Bye.